Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Chase. Happy to be in yours again. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, it's always the right time. Thanks so much for uh, trusting me to put good stuff into your ears. And today's show is a whopper. And it's a whopper because we get to talk to someone that I have uh, been friends with for several years, long admired the work that she's put out in the world. She's so talented at what she does, which is about 8,200 things. Um, (laughs) It's my dear friend, Marie Forleo. Uh, she's an amazing entrepreneur, started her business like straight out of, I think, actually one job out of college. She did one thing and then realized that she hated it and needed to be her own boss. And so for any of you creators or entrepreneurs out there, this is going to resonate with you. She started her own gig at 23 as an entrepreneur. Oprah called her a thought leader for the next generation. Um, and she's got a new book out that I'm really happy to share with you today. Um, it's called Everything is Figureoutable. And I'm going to put a, a underscore here because the way that, so you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know about my book, Creative Calling. And when I was reading Everything is Figure Outable, there's so much interconnectedness between the ideas that Marie and I have and that we shared in, in our books that if you, if you like the work that I do, um, you're definitely going to, like the work that, that, that uh, Marie does is really going to resonate. And we come at it from really different angles. So that's part of what I like. The spice of life is some variety. Um, but she's so talented, inspirational, and just plain funny. She's just a, she's a great human, and I can't wait for you to get into the episode, so I'm gonna get out of the way. But before we do, just a super quick word. Hey, before we get into today's episode, I got a favor to ask. I've got a new book out. It's called Creative Calling. And of course, I would love for you to pick up a copy or two or 10, But here's why, this is not about a transaction. Of course, I want to sell as many books as I can, but this isn't about my bank account or the publisher. This is about a message and a movement. This is about the fact that there's creativity inside of every person, and that if we understand that we each can harness this creativity and use it to channel uh, our, our creativity, not just to make things on a daily basis, yes, that's valuable, but to be able to create the living life that we want for ourselves and ideally for those around us. And right now, everyone has someone in their life who either doesn't identify as a creator or for whom they could use a bump, a nudge, a little bit of a push around their creative calling in life. And it's my hope that this book, I put everything I have into this book, everything. And if you could help me be the messenger for this by delivering them a copy of the book, picking up a copy uh, yourself, and of course, sharing that you are reading this book um, with your audience, that would mean everything to me. It's so important that we rally as a community around the ideas that we believe in, and this is my ask to you. So thank you very much. And now, okay, now let's get into today's episode. You know, this is my first time in Seattle. What? Yes, so thank you. Welcome to yeah. our fine city. It's awesome. It welcomes you. It's very happy that you're here. It's sorry, it's a little bit under the weather today. I love Ba-bum. it. It's cozy. It's um, cozy. Holy smokes. I was just right before you walked in, yeah. looking at a video online yes. of your book launch. Yes. And we're going to talk about, we've got to cover a lot of ground in the book, but I also want to contextualize this. So yes. been friends for a little while. Um, you've been on the show before a couple yes. years ago. Um, and I'm looking at my at your video on my phone today, and I'm like, "Holy smokes! This book launch, 
Hammerstein Ballroom, New York. Yes. Thousands of people. Yes. Give me the story. This is, was so, crazy. It was. So um, for anyone watching right now, you know, anything that you create, a business, um, a piece of art, a book, anything, mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. And yeah. when I was writing this book, I had this creative vision in my heart and in my mind about how I wanted to bring it out into the world. And it was a really difficult process writing the book. Brutal. And so, yes. For anyone who's like, oh, I just sit down and channel, I'm always like, really? Because I bleed for it. <laughs> Anywho, right when I was about getting done with the book, the vision I had was to imagine if a Beyonce concert and a TED Talk had a baby and then threw a block party. That's what I wanted to do to launch this book. And Chase, well, I'm telling you, so Portfolio, Penguin Random House, yep. that's my publisher. When I floated that out in a phone call, like it was silence after I said that line. Crickets, nothing. Crickets. <laughs> Fear of God. They're like, who? Why did we give her a deal? What is going on right now? I was like, don't worry, I'll handle it. But this is what I want to do, and it was terrifying for me. It was scary. I've never produced a concert before. I've never performed in a concert before. I didn't know how we were going to make all this come together. I didn't even know if it was going to work. Do you know? Sometimes uh, you have a yes, creative I have idea. <laughs> Gulp. Yes. I have many of those. That yeah. In your head, mm -hmm. and you're not sure if in reality. Yeah. And then the actual process of pulling it off and all the rehearsals, which by the way, um, I was like, oh, and I have to do the whole rest of the book tour and the book launch. But again, I created this monster, so I needed to fulfill on this. And I will tell you this, it was one of the most creatively fulfilling things and one of the hardest things I have ever done in my life. And it turned out better than I could have anticipated. And I actually think it's creating a whole new trajectory for what I want to do next, which I could have never predicted mm. or anticipated. Mm. Like, we'll talk about that, yeah, but yeah. you know, some people are like, what's your five-year plan? And most of the time, I'm like, for me, it's a completely irrelevant question because yeah. the world changes, it changes so fast. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I evolve so fast that five years just feels like, mm, doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, but from following this impulse, it really, it opened up a whole new world for me. Well, I think there's something to be said for that, like super hard work, big risk, and then the so fulfilling. Yes. Obviously, those things dovetail. When I help me help me understand how you how you mesh those things together. Well, I, what was interesting in a meta sense was the title of the book is "Everything Is Figure Outable," and both the process of writing the book, which was difficult for me, I said, "Oh, isn't this great?" The title is kicking my ass. I'm having trouble figuring out how to write the book called Everything is Figure Outable. And I know that to be true with my, with my bones and my DNA. But then that book launch concert was the same thing. It was like, oh, now you've got to figure out and live what you talk about, which I do on a daily basis, but this was taking it to a whole new level. And it was awesome because yeah. it gave me so much insight and such a deeper level of compassion for all of my readers because I'm going through the same thing that we're all going through yeah. just on our own journeys. We're all in this together. That's one of the things that I, I feel like as more and more people understand and identify their creativity, it really does start to put us in the same boat where I think it creates increased empathy, increased human connection, where when we're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing in life, because sometimes those things, well, let's just say most of those times, those things aren't easy and they're not always fun. The joy and the process overall, you wouldn't trade it for anything. Right. But when you do something that's hard and where you risk, you put yourself out there, you've, you've sort of uh, connected with this vulnerability that um, we all have inside of us and we've been reluctant to share, 
that's like this alchemy for when the best stuff happens. Completely. And I think that's the whole root of everything is figureoutable. That's the whole idea of the book that each of us have so much innate wisdom that we're never taught how to access. Yeah. And you know, one of the reasons I do the work that I do is because when I started discovering the world of personal development and business development, I'm like, why was I not taught this in school? Yeah. Why didn't we learn this as children? And then, you know, as a young adult, I was like, this is the best stuff on earth. And I wanted to just shout about it from the rooftops. And so in the book, I just talked through, hey, you know, I don't pretend to have all the answers. No one in life does. But my belief is the figure outable philosophy and everything, the concepts and the tools that we share, it can help people find or create their own answers. And that's a really exciting prospect to me. You know, there's two reasons really why I wrote this book. I was um, struggling to write it in a restaurant in New York City, and a friend of mine named Toby, he's the CEO of Shopify, I ran into him. Oh, I love Toby. Isn't Look he amazing? Yeah. Toby's amazing. He's, Toby, Harley, love those guys. Yes. Yeah, amazing. So he's like, Marie, what are you doing? You know, your business is going great. This is a big project. You don't need to do this. Why are you writing this book? And I said, Toby, here's the honest truth. If I were to get hit by a bus tomorrow, this is the one idea that I would want to leave behind. That, you know, if, again, bus came, yeah. boop, Marie's flattened, I would be off to my next cosmic adventure. Like, all right, great, I did it, Wee! Like, I gave you my best stuff. Um, but the larger reason, though, I think that both individually and collectively, folks are in a lot of pain. Yeah. You know, there's like 300 million people around the world right now that suffer from depression. Yeah. Suicide rates here in the States are at like a 30-year high. And that doesn't even touch upon corruption or the environment or you know political problems yeah. or financial problems or all the things that are kind of plaguing our society. And so for me, I felt like if I could play some small part in helping to awaken the powers that people already have inside, that maybe many of us can come together and solve some of those bigger issues. Amazing. So the phrase is very sticky. Yes. It's also very unique. Yes. So I know because I've read the book where it came from, but please share. I think it's just it's a beautiful, beautiful story. It also tips uh, the hat to your past and yes. your family. So give us a little bit of context. Yeah, so people always ask, where did this little phrase come from? And I got to go back to Jersey, where I'm from, and talk about my mama. Um, so she's such an amazing and interesting character. She's still alive. She grew up in the projects of Newark, New Jersey, um, the daughter of two alcoholic parents. So she learned by necessity how to stretch a dollar bill around the block like five times. And she made herself a promise that when she was old enough, she would find a way to a better life. And one of my fondest memories as a kid was sitting at our kitchen table in New Jersey, reading the Sunday paper and her and I cutting out coupons because she loved to teach me all the ways that we could save money. And she also loved to turn me on to the fact that brands would send you free stuff if you saved up your proofs of purchase. So you could get like utensils or a recipe book or something like that. And one of her most prized possessions was this little transistor radio that she got from Tropicana Orange Juice for free. And it was shaped like an orange and it had a red and white straw sticking out of the side. That was the antenna. And it was like her favorite thing. And as a kid, I knew I could always find her somewhere around the yard or somewhere around the house by listening for the sound of that radio. My mom's one of those people who's always busy. She's always moving and doing something. So one day I come home from school and I hear that radio playing off in the distance and I get closer and I see my mom on the roof of our two-story house, <laughs> like perched very precariously. When you're a kid, it's terrifying. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, mom, I'm like, what are you doing up there? Is everything okay? And um, the, the part I didn't tell you is my mom is 
if you see her, she looks like June Cleaver. She's got the tenacity of a bulldog, but she curses like a truck driver. So she's like, Re, I'm fine. You know, the roof had a leak. I called the roofer. He said it was going to be at least 500 bucks. I said, screw that. I'm going to do it myself. I love the, you got the accent. It's just oh, she's, like nailed it. She's amazing. <laughs> so another time I come home from school and I hear this little radio playing from the back of the house. So I follow the sound and my mom's in the bathroom. I push open the door and there's like dust particles in the air and there's pipes coming out of the wall. It looked like, a, you know, an explosion went off. And I'm like, Mom, are you okay? She's like, oh, I'm fine. I said, what are you doing? She's like, well, some of the tiles had some cracks. I didn't want the bathroom to get moldy, so I'm retiling the bathroom. So, Chase, you got to get, my mom is high school educated. This is the 80s. This is a pre-internet, pre-YouTube world. So, one day I come home from school, and it was in the fall, and it was late. got dark early. And I approach my house, and everything is dark, and there's Mm. silence, which is very odd for an Italian-American home. I knew something was wrong. I had like this pit in my stomach because mm. I was afraid of yeah. what I might find. So I go in the house, still silence. I'm tiptoeing around. I couldn't find my mom, didn't hear the radio. Then I hear some clicks and clacks. And I follow that sound into the kitchen and I see my mom hunched over the kitchen table, which looked like an operating room. There was electrical tape and screwdrivers and in about a dozen pieces, a completely dismantled Tropicana orange. I was like, Mom, are you okay? What happened? She's like, Ray, I'm fine. No big, no big deal. I said, you know, did your radio break? And she said, well, the antenna was off and the tuner dial was a little funky, so I'm fixing it. And that was the first time I ever thought to ask the question, how do you know how to do so many different things that you've never done before, but nobody's showing you how to do it? She put down her screwdriver and she cocked her head to the side with a look like, this is no big deal, Ray. Nothing in life is that complicated. If you roll up your sleeves, you get in there and do it. Everything is figure outable. And Chase, I was like, everything is figure outable. Like those words just yeah. washed over me. And ever since, it's been the single most powerful driving force of my life. So it helped me get out of a physically abusive and toxic relationship in high school, helped me get work study positions that helped me actually pay for college because I'm the first in my family to go to college. It helped me get every job from being on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, publishing at Condé Nast, selling glow sticks in nightclubs. Bartending and waiting tables. Like, I've done so many different things as I know that you have. Yeah, crazy. And starting the business at 23 when I had no clue. I was totally insecure. I had no idea how to do anything that I can do now. And that was 20 years ago. So I am convinced that this phrase can help people do the tiny things from like fixing a leaky faucet or a flat tire to the hugest things in life, including navigating tough stuff, like yeah. breaking through an addiction, finding your way through grief, um, anything that you can really imagine it can help you with. Everything, in fact. Everything, yeah. Somebody actually wrote to me, they are like, you didn't say some things are figureoutable, you said everything, and that made me get back up. Um, and I do, I've been asking this actually on book tour, I'm asking people to raise their hands if they don't believe it. Like, are you skeptical yeah. that everything is figureoutable? Let's talk it out. Let's talk it out yeah. because it's really important. And a couple people have been raising their hands and I'm like, thank you for your honesty because yeah. we can't have a meaningful discussion if part of you is like, cute phrase, girl, but I don't yeah. think so. Um, and so one of the things that happened when I was starting to write the book, I went to brunch with friends and one of my friend's 10-year-old son was there. And they're like, Marie, what are you working on? I said the title of the book and her 10-year-old son was like, no, it's not. I was like, oh, okay, tell me more. What's not figureoutable? And he's like, well, we human beings can't grow working wings out of our back and fly. And I was like, well, that's right. Mm -hmm. I was like, but A, have you heard of CRISPR? Because that might be coming in like 20 (laughs) years. B, we human beings can indeed fly on airplanes. And he was like, oh, 
I guess that's right. And he said, well, I can't bring my dog back from the dead. And I said, well, that's true at this moment. But scientists are working on cryogenics and people are cloning their dogs. And he was like, oh, I guess you're right. So conversations like that and actually conversations with a dear friend of mine, our friend, mutual friend, Seth Godin. Oh, of course, love Seth. I love, so he, we had conversations about this and, and I created this set of rules to help people really use the phrase for its intended purpose, which is to create positive change in your life and the world around you. So the three rules of the figureoutable philosophy are this. Rule number one. Yeah, you're, you beat me to it. I love oh, it. This is did amazing. Did I? This you're is, just that's like, great, though. Okay, this good. Like, we'll do it. Let's go. Take us there. Um, rule number it. one is all problems or dreams are figureoutable. Rule number two, if a problem isn't figureoutable, it's not a problem. It's a fact of life, like death, certain laws of nature, gravity, taxes. You may not care enough, this is rule number three, you may not care enough to solve a particular problem or reach a particular dream, and that's okay. Find something you do care about and go back to rule number one. And that handles like 99% of the skepticism. Uh, anything from the adult point of view that was not figureoutable, the kids was great, I get it, wings and all that stuff, it's yes. nice, that's a good 10 year old way, but. I'm curious on your tour. Yes. Anyone throw you anything that was like, huh? Or what was your what was your, the sort of the toughest question that you've taken on tour? I haven't had that yet, but it was actually from a dear friend mm. who respects my work, and he's like, I think um, you're such a good teacher, and I'm so proud of you. He's like, but honestly, I was skeptical when I first saw the title because I'm like, you know what? Addiction's not figureoutable. Yeah. What about a life-changing or a life-ending diagnosis? How is that figureoutable? And we had a conversation. I said, look, let me tell you a story. You know, when I first shared this idea, it was on Oprah's Super Soul Sessions. And that was the first time outside of my own platform that I ever talked about this. After that talk went live, we started getting emails in from people that were using this idea in their own lives who I'd never met, I'd yeah. never worked with, they'd never taken any of my programs. One woman, her name is Jen, wrote me a letter, and here's what she said. She's like, Marie, I really loved your Oprah talk. This is something that my mom has been trying to teach me my whole life. In fact, we sat down and watched it together. But then everything changed. My mom, who's like my best friend, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and suddenly nothing seemed figureoutable. Mm -hmm. She wrote us, but then I took a step back and looked more deeply at the situation, and here's what I saw. I could figure out how to get nursing care for my mom who lived in a rural area. I could figure out how to find foods that she could actually tolerate. And this was the most important thing to her. She said, I could figure out how to get medical equipment so my beautiful mom could spend her last days and in fact, her last five weeks on this earth exactly where she wanted to be, which was in her own home. So Jen said, you know, it comes down to it. I can say with no hesitation that everything is figureoutable and thank you for sharing a phrase that made such a huge difference to two women on the other side of the world. They're in New Zealand. Wow. Yeah. So I find that, that things that empower us, they have a largely an emotional component to it, right? Because that's where we have to summon our energy and our courage and um, connect with our fear and either manage it or use it or leverage it or, or talk it down. Yeah. So. Did the when you talked the the first time you heard the phrase and the the lifetime that you've put it together, it seems like there's an emotional well of energy that comes around it. How does that that uh, I understand how it is for you because of yeah. your personal experience? How do you encourage people to tap into that well in themselves in the book? 
in the You talked a couple of times, sorry, just about like, you know, the answers are in here and-, and Yeah, and like well, how do you get there? Yeah, 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 yeah. We definitely walk people through, you know, while figuring things out isn't necessarily a perfect linear process, I've done my best in the book to walk people through a yeah. somewhat linear process yeah. so that they can start to tap into that innate wisdom. And I think understanding fear is certainly a huge piece of it. Um, I don't think we're ever taught how it's really a useful thing. Yeah. You know, one of my beliefs is that fear is a GPS for where our soul wants to go. And I'm not talking about the kind of fear that keeps us from, you know, walking in front of a moving train. Obviously, that kind of fear <laughs> is amazing. Biology survival. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. when it comes to, you know, changing jobs, making a big shift in your relationship, doing something creative that you yeah. feel, you know, afraid that perhaps you'll be judged for, or you might fail, or it'll be a waste of your time or energy. I think that most people really misinterpret fear's signals. So I talk about it like this. You know, if you think about an infant or you think about a little puppy, like an infant, when it cries, it may be crying because it pooped and you need to change its diaper or it's hungry or it's excited. You have to interpret that signal, right? But it yeah. all sounds like crying. Yeah. Same thing with a puppy, like my dog Kuma. If the UPS I man love comes- I shots of Kuma. Kuma's your, amazing. Yeah. Oh, I see her in your feeds all the time. She's, yeah, he's a little Australian, yeah, toy so Australian sweet. shepherd. But like the UPS guy comes, he's barking his head off. If he gets really excited and he wants to play ball, he's barking his head off. Those yeah. are two very different things, but he's, he doesn't have verbal skills, nor do babies. Yeah. Same thing with fear. Fear is your friend, but she's doing everything she can to help you feel something. Pay attention. Yeah. Exactly, like this thing is important and I think we've never been taught that perhaps feeling all that fear could be a guidance system for where we're supposed to go next rather than stop, danger, don't do it. Brilliant. Yes, so that's one of the ways that we tap into at least starting to figure that out. Yeah. And something we could talk about, um, a lot of people say, well, how do I know the difference between fear and intuition? Meaning fear that is normal, that I need to move through because it's gonna help me grow, yep. versus an intuitive hit that's like, no, you should not do this because you're gonna wind up paying for it. It's gonna mean a lot of bad things and it's gonna be very expensive in every sense of that word yep. if you move forward. And so there's a really simple test um, that we talk about in the book that anyone listening right now can use to help figure out how to move ahead, especially if they're feeling stuck. Um, so here's the notion. Let's say you have a big opportunity. You know, Maybe it's a speaking engagement, maybe it's a new job offer, maybe it's going out on a date, it doesn't matter. And you don't know whether you're feeling good fear that you should move through or an intuitive hunch to like run and get the yeah. F out of town. Yeah. Here's what you ask yourself. Does the idea of saying yes to this opportunity make me feel expansive or contracted? Yeah. Now, I would invite people when they ask that question to like tap in, yeah. close their body eyes, scan. body scan, and each one of us will have a visceral, subtle, physical response. I'm not talking about thoughts, I'm talking about the feeling inside of your body. And so expansive, in terms of like a reaction to that question, might feel like uh, an opening in your chest or like the slightest spark of joy or excitement or enthusiasm. Even if it feels scary, there's yeah, something that something almost in there, yeah. pulls you forward, right? Yeah. And where a contracted feeling, it's like a pit in your stomach or a sense of dread or even your head subtly shaking no and you didn't yeah. even realize you were doing that. And this is where it becomes really important, Chase, is if the opportunity looks good on paper. 
if it looks good to your ego, if there's a big price tag, if it's around other people that you feel that you should be interacting with, or this would be a big leap forward in your career and you should say yes because everyone else would, but something inside is like, mm -mm. don't do it, yeah. don't do it. So that's another tool that we talk about in the book that I think is really practical yeah. and that helps keep people in their own flow. Yeah. So two things about the book that struck me. One is I will, to contrast how I feel about your book, I am frustrated by books that lay everything out as like, cool, you're born, you have this perfect thing, and then you do this perfect thing, and this perfect thing, and this perfect thing, and then you get this amazing result. Yeah. Most books that are sort of businessy or self-helpy or whatever, I think they come at it from that lens, and I'm just like, I'm struggling to relate to this because my stuff uh, is not does not line up like yes. this, and so, a, kudos for writing a book that doesn't do that, that comes at it from very, very real, uh, a very real and pragmatic approach. But there's big enough ideas in this book uh, that like, that's why I went and mentioned everything. That's a big idea. It's a big claim. But you did a masterful job of making it tactical and actionable. One thing that I, I thought was a great takeaway is there is a 42% chance to increase, sorry, you have a 42% opportunity to increase your chances of being successful at something. Yes. If you do one particular thing. And I, was, yes. I loved the number and I, I loved how detailed you got. So share with, share with us about that. Yes, so um, there's some great research that was done uh, by Dr. Gail Matthews, who's a professor of psychology at the Dominican University in California, who studied folks from all walks of life, all different ages, from late teens all the way through 70s, and found this simple fact. If we simply write down our goals, we are 42% more likely to reach them. And I it's know- It's not like 2%, it's not like 4, <clears throat> 2%, no, it's 42. 42%, yeah. 42 and people. Like. I make the argument in the book, it's just like, if anyone were to tell me, hey, whatever you're up to, we're gonna increase your chances of success by 42%, I'm in for that all day long. Of course. But, Who's not? But what, you would but be surprised. Do, yeah. Yes, it's such a simple thing. Or people like write down a goal, they'll do it in a digital doc, which uh, there's lots of studies out that show writing by hand, if it's possible for you, yeah. is gonna, I think it gets you to a deeper truth. I think that it slows your brain down enough so that you can connect emotionally with yeah. what's really important. And I think there's something mystical, magical, and awesome about being in an analog world, especially when we're surrounded by so much technology. Yeah. Um, so writing down your dreams and then not writing them down and putting them in a drawer where you don't look, yeah. even though that can work and I've had that work at times, I sure. think focus in the modern day is so important. So having it front and center so you can see it, whether it's in the notebook, like I use simple, you know, college ruled notebooks. That's yeah. how I get everything done. There's no fancy organizational system, but it is, it's a simple tool that can make a profound difference. Let's uh, step away from specifically everything is figure outable for a second yeah. and go a little bit to Marie the human. Yeah. So when you talked about using college ruled notebook paper to get everything done, what are some other things that you feel like? And I'm not just looking for productivity here. I yeah. think productivity is sort of a shorthand for give me a, a tip or a hack. And it's a nice way to connect. Yeah. But I'm thinking I want a little bit more like what are some pillars in your life yes. that you operate around to find success and, and, and not just success, find fulfillment. Like talk to me a little bit about like Marie's operating system. Is purely rooted in fun. Like we have a Yui boom with us at almost all times and there's always music playing, practically always. Like if there's not, I'm just like, 
I love silence and that's cool, but we bring the party. And I'll tell you this, last night uh, we had a tour stop in Chicago. This was one of the best things. This, even though this isn't my practice, this is like the root of my life and how things get done. So we called an Uber to bring us home. And this minivan pulls up because we got a crew, right? Minivan pulls up, we get in, I'm like kind of tired. And we notice the Uber driver has a full DJ deck on the front of his car. We're like, what is that? That is kind of amazing, like a whole sound deck. Okay. Then all of a sudden, there's a screen that appears. Then all of a sudden, a light turns on and it is a, the whole minivan turned into <laughs> a party bus. Amazing. A karaoke machine appeared. He had a mic and literally, the 15 minutes from the venue to the hotel was one of the best times we've ever had and it was completely unexpected. Yeah. And for me, the fun factor, like bringing the party wherever you go and being the source of that joy for other people. Yeah. Like um, Haley on my team here, we were like walking through the airport at 4 a.m. this morning and we were just doing this prance. It was not planned. It was just something. And then the we walked into the bookstore to actually see the books. I was like, you're so fun. Is that like, it was this whole thing. So to answer your question, I think for me personally, joy, and, joy yeah. fun, silliness, play, it's like we're gonna be dead in less than 100 years, we're all gonna be powder. Even if there's major medical breakthroughs, like something's, do you know what I mean? We're yep. still, it's likely we're not gonna be around. And I never wanna come to the end of my life and think like that I wasted it, and that I wasted an opportunity for connection or laughter or, or joy or fun, and I think it's hugely underrated in our society. Pillar number one, but let's talk about pillar number two, because things get hard. Yeah. And I know they're figure-outable. But things get hard, and it's very easy for us as humans. I, we, when when we often have to play the way I think about it is play through our biology. Yeah. Because our biology is busy looking for saber-toothed tigers, mm -hmm. right? Something it's like, oh, I didn't get enough likes on my Instagram post, or my boss didn't like the presentation that I made, and our biology sees that as a saber-toothed tiger. Yeah. So if I know you have other pillars, I want to know another pillar or two or in less pillory talk, how, how do you manage those moments? Oh man. Because we, we you know, I wanna see both sides of the coin. A hundred percent, like when I'm stressed, I tell people about it. Yeah. Like when I'm not okay. feeling good, um, you know, it depends on what domain it exists in. Like if there's a problem in my relationship, Josh and I talk it out. And we've actually, I will tell everyone this, um, if you're in a committed relationship that you actually want to last, I cannot recommend the work of uh, Harville Hendricks and Helen LaKelly Hunt for Getting the Love You Want. Well, that is a tongue twister. <laughs> I will. So just if you look okay. up the book, Getting the Love You Want, it was like okay. huge in the 90s. It sold a bajillion copies, but um, they're two of the most talented people who will give you a toolkit. Like I've done, I've done everything when it comes to relationships. I've done all all of the therapy, I've done all of the workshops, I've invested, Josh and I have been together for 16 years and you know this, yeah. when you're in a long-term relationship, it's not easy, right? Oh and yeah, we're 25, 26. Yes, so there's Crazy. ups and downs, that's yeah, natural. Hardcore. Yes, um, so if, for instance, mm. in that domain, if things get hard, not only do I bring them right to Josh, but we use the tools that actually work. So if something is tough for me personally, meaning I'm having a lot of self-doubt, I'm not feeling good about myself, I have friends and even my team, like I don't consider myself the kind of CEO who's just gonna be like, you know, keeping on a strong face and then I'm crumbling inside. Like yeah. my team is like my family. So if I'm not feeling good, I let them know what's happening and why so that they can support me out of it. Yeah. So. Does, and was that a natural gift for you or do you think that was 
something you cultivated and had to work I into. have no fucking poker face. Yeah. Do you know, I can't hide shit. So it's like, <laughs> I can't pretend to be happy if I'm not. Yeah. And I can't pretend that everything's okay if it's not. So it's a little bit of like, this is me. And I think that's probably another gift of my mom. Like you yeah. always know where you stand with that person yeah. because there's not, I, I don't, I'm not a good chameleon in that way. Yeah. Um, in terms of you know gaining the skills in a relationship, yeah, that took work and yeah, that takes total practice. As is everything, right? Completely. And learning how to be a good boss and a good leader and a manager, sure. But in terms of the emotional connection piece, I don't really, I personally don't have another way to operate because I don't think I could survive. Amazing. Let's speak, let's go back to joy and play. Yes. Dance. Oh my okay, goodness. So you threw a dance party for your book, oh, yes. for your book launch. And I know from various sources <clears throat> that you were a Nike dancer. Yeah, I was, a, I was one of the world's first Nike elite dance athletes. So what's the dance heritage here? Give, give it to me. I'm like, this is, we're, we're, this is Maria. I have um, no formal dance training. So basically the short story there was after I started my coaching business at 23, doing all of this personal development work and trying to get good on it while I was actually helping clients as well, it made me self-reflect. And I always felt that traditional kind of labels like, oh, I am a photographer, mm -hmm. I am a designer, I am a coach. Those always felt really narrow and limiting. Yeah, yeah. And so for me, when I started doing all this work and gaining clients, I was like, oh, I have another dream. And it was around dance. But this was when I was about 25. And in the dance world, you are practically over the hill in yeah. terms of being a professional dancer, sure. especially if you've never had any training. And the only training I had was doing like moonwalks across my mom's linoleum floor in my white socks, right? I remember those. Yes, you remember those days. <laughs> I do. So um, I started taking hip hop classes at my local gym, got really into them. My teachers were like, you're really good, you should teach. And I was like, wait, what? I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. It was just all passion. So I auditioned to start teaching. I started teaching. Um, that is led this like teaching at the local gym? This is teaching oh, at a local cool. gym. And then I started going, do you want to hear a really good failure story? Yes, bring it. Um, so when I started teaching at Crunch in, in New York, which has great gyms, I also started trying to get more training. So I would go to Broadway Dance Center, which is like one of the best dance yeah. studios in the world. And I was super intimidated, but I was like, okay, I wanna build my skills and you have to put yourself with the best if that's happening. So I would go to classes, go to classes. And then I realized, okay, if I really wanna do this, I should have dancer goals, which are to go on auditions and go on tour with like major artists. That's what you're supposed to do. I heard about a Missy Elliott audition. Oh. And I love Missy so much. I have so much admiration and respect. I've just, incredible. she's amazing. Yeah, incredible. So um, I was intimidated because again, I'm because. older than <laughs> everyone. I have very little training, but I was like, I just need to do this. So I show up at the audition. There's like a line of super professional, like the coolest dancers you could ever imagine, snaked around the corner in Hell's Kitchen. Everybody's freestyling on the sidewalk and I just want to throw up, right? I just have knots <laughs> in my right. stomach. I'm like the biggest nerd. I finally make it up into the room. There's like eight dancers. The choreographer starts teaching like a couple of eight counts. And Chase, one of my recurring like limited thoughts is that I don't pick up choreography fast. Like it's not a skill that I have honed very well. So I'm in this room. All the other dancers pretty much have a photographic memory and like picked up this really intricate stuff fast. And before I knew it, they were auditioning and I couldn't even get the first eight count. And in the middle of the audition, I ran out of the room crying. 
Wow. Like just feeling like the biggest loser and all the voices in your head, you know, the ones that tell you that you're not good enough, you're probably too old, you're never going to make it. I know those ones. Right? Yeah. All of us do. All of those voices came roaring to the forefront as I was like just like my eyes were bloodshed. I was just so humiliated and I felt like, what am I doing? Like I have just, what, everything is wrong. Cut to a couple days later and I said, let me tap back into what I know to be true. I have so much fun in those gym classes. Uh, it's a place where, unlike Broadway Dance Center, which by the way, Broadway Dance Center is awesome, but I found that my joy factor was highest in an environment where the purpose of the class was pure self-expression, yeah. right? So we had people yes. like all different walks of life and they wanted to work out. They wanted to hear cool music and learn moves, but it wasn't about competition. It was about collaboration. Yep. And I, I was like, you know, if that's the place where I have the most fun, I should just stay there. So. I kept honing those skills. Then a few years later, Nike, years. Years, years we're talking people. Years Just, later. Don't that one little word slip by you. Yes. Nike still, had. Still dancing. I'm still dancing, still you're, doing my yep. coaching practice, okay. still bartending and waiting tables. And Nike came out with a new program called the Nike Rockstar Workout, and they were searching for Nike athletes. And so there was an audition process, and it was for a gentleman, um, Jamie King, who's worked with like Rihanna and Bruno Mars and everyone. And they were looking for people that had experience in dance, who were good dancers, but also had experience leading fitness classes and understood the physical body. And I had my personal training, you know, degrees and all that stuff at that point. And so myself and two colleagues became some of the world's first ever Nike elite athletes. And I traveled around the world teaching dance and then get this, how's this for a full circle moment? Remember we were talking about the concert? Of course. I actually had dancers who were my backup dancers who just danced for Missy Elliott. No. I'm not kidding you. It was the most- And it could have been any star, but it was of course Missy Elliott. Yeah, I mean, we had dancers from like J-Lo and Beyonce, like the most talented, like our crew was amazing. Our crew was, they were, they are the most incredible human beings and I can't wait to work with them again. But it was so wild and that's like 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Life happens yeah. for us, not to us. Completely. Um, one of my favorite phrases, I refer to it often, I credit you every time Thank I can you. until someone starts talking before I can and then I calculate in my brain, is it awkward now to go back and make sure that everybody knows this is Marie's idea? That um, in the morning there's a habit that so many people who are listening or watching right now have and it's, it's cool. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. We're all guilty of it and that is, it looks something like this. Yes. If you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is you reach for your phone and you start just consuming content. Yes. You, you, first of all, you maybe you turn off your alarm or there's an innocent opening. Yes. And then you step into something that's not quite so innocent and that we have to start owning, which is we're just scrolling and consuming content. Often content from people who we respect and appreciate and admire or are inspired by. And then how does it make us feel? It makes us feel less than limited, closed, and sometimes sad. Yep. And Facebook is not Facebook and, uh, and Instagram is not Instagram out there just to make you feel good. They're businesses and they are capturing our attention and whether for good or evil or not, there's a certain set of feelings when we're consuming content versus the way I think of us is creating machines. That's what differentiates us from all the other species on the planet. So your phrase is, Create before you consume. Yes. 
talk me through how you leapt into that and discovered it and, and what you do to put it to use. Yeah, so I think, first of all, any of us can use it. And I just want to be real right now because someone asked me this on tour. They're like, hey, what do you do when you first wake up in the morning? I said, you know what I do right now because I'm on book tour? I pick up my fucking phone. Yep. You know why? Because I'm juggling so many things and there's so much happening yep. in all these different countries. So I just want everyone to know that there are times in your life yes, that even though we can talk about this phrase and it's awesome, there's a way to use it so that you help yourself and don't, um, be mean to yourself or feel like you're failing if you're not doing this. So I just wanted to yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, let's qualify around. Yes. So in terms of create before you consume, I think because of where we are right now with technology and it's so easy to be sucked in, mm -hmm. whether it's to your phone and your computer, your email inbox, or quite frankly, even if you're tired at night and then you just put on Netflix and you're yeah. like, boom, going yeah. into it. Um, create before you consume is a really simple way to help yourself stay on track with your own dreams. And I think it's awesome because you don't have to do it constantly. It's not like you have to give up all of social or all of your favorite shows. I love Stranger Things. There's a lot of things that I like to do. But if you just give yourself this habit of creating before you consume, you can do it without guilt. Yeah. And you can feel like you're on your path doing important work. Like if I didn't practice create before I consume, this book would have never gotten done. Yeah. It was really hard. What that looked like for me practically was actually waking up usually around 5 a.m. so that I could get even like an hour of writing in or sometimes 90 minutes if I was lucky before the rest of the stuff with the business had to come. And yeah. I failed the first few months that I was trying to write this. Oh my goodness, I made so many mistakes. I was trying to write the introduction before I wrote the rest of the book, which now I'm looking back like, what a rookie uh, mistake. Yeah. How could you do that? But create before you consume is just a great habit. Like even if you've worked for someone else all day when you get home, can you create your next big project or the thing that you wanna figure out before you consume the nightly news, yeah. right? Or before you consume the email inbox, or even before you consume the ideas or the agendas or the opinions of others, yeah. like your family or your friends. Yeah. So it's very versatile in the way that you can use it. And for me, it's just a great way to check myself before I wreck myself so that I stay in that creative zone. And that's part of the reason why the concert was so fulfilling. I went weeks without like really paying attention to any media because there was no space for it. And yep. I was so on fire because that creative channel was flowing out. It's so useful and practical. And I think it's it's the equivalent, it's sort of the creating equivalent of put your own oxygen mask on before yes. assisting other people. Love if you've it. Flown on an airplane, you know that phrase. Um, and you know, the idea is there is if you're, if you're not around and available and, and um, sturdy, you, you struggle to be there for other people. Correct. So let's, uh, I, th I think you also have done a nice job in this talk and in the book about sort of the, the yin and the yang, the zig and the zag, the, hey, even just that last point that you made about I'm on book tour, so the first thing I do is I pick up my phone. My phone, yes. Um, what's another thing in your life where you feel like you're putting it out there Mm -hmm. and struggling with it yourself. Because so many of my friends, and I find myself in this position all the time, that it's like, wow, if I just took my own advice, yeah, how would I, I would be able to fill in the blank. So is there anything in your world where you're, where you're working on that right well, now? Well, I feel like I'm constantly doing that dance, yeah. but now that I'm in this mode right now, I feel like I have great perspective on just the past few years. And what I can see so clearly for me, and I think this is so relevant for, um, it's a good reminder, like I've written this down for myself, any time that I have gone into a space of feeling any sort of like envy 
or jealousy or feeling like I might be falling behind. Right now I have the perspective to see I was not creating enough. And there was something in me that was holding back. Mm. There was something in me that was wanting either to play it safe or to uh, be liked or to not take a risk. And I think because I'm so close into all this stuff that just happened where I'm like, dude, this is all in me. Like you're going to take it or leave it. Like I'm twerking on that stage. I'm talking about this. Do you know what I mean? Some of y'all might not like it and it's it's fine. This is me. Now I can see very, very clearly how over the past three to five years, any time that I've taken my foot off of my own creative gas, that's when I get miserable. That's when I compare. That's when I feel shitty. That's when I just am not my happiest self. Yeah. And so this is a lesson that I'm regrounding in myself right now. So I don't know if that's kind of no, what it was. No, it's perfect. Yes. It's perfect. And, and I think um, like just identifying, connecting with you around those things where like it ultimately boils down, and I've asked that question a lot, to, to this self-awareness. And you said it like five times. Like, yeah. I check in and I realize that if I'm feeling bing, 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 that means this. Yes. And that's what I'm sort of, I'm, I'm encouraging people who are listening or watching to figure out, like, you have those things. And, you know, whether whatever word you use, trigger or awareness or body scan or whatever, there is some, some, some way that you can develop a, a mechanism for keeping in touch with yourself this book is absolutely fantastic Thank for you. that. It's like a roadmap for self-awareness and fulfilling your dreams. You've done a masterful, masterful job. Thank you. Um, before we sign out, I yes. want to know you've got a couple, because we're going to try and turn this pretty quick. So you've yes. got, you got some more tour dates. Yes. And just give us some coordinates where we can, like, because I know you do so much stuff with Thank the you. B-School and all the other things you got going. So yes. locate us around your universe. Yes, for right now, for sure. Well, I am very proud. Apple named us um, one of their top books of September and one of their most recommended audio downloads. So that was huge for me because I love them as a company. Um, We've got more tour dates here in the U.S. If you go to everythingisfigureoutable.com slash tour, I'm also going to the U.K. and then I'll be going to Australia. So that's what's coming up immediately. Um, And then right after I get back from tour, then then we get ready for B-School Land, which is um, our online business school to help anyone who wants to start or grow a meaningful business that actually both makes money and makes an impact but that comes up in 2020 2020 yeah amazing yeah y'all you have to check it out Ta-da! everything is figureoutable such a powerful concept so well written so you. clear and there's nothing better than uh, what it feels like you're connecting to an old friend and yet it gives you new energy and vitality and um the inspiration to go tackle your biggest dreams. Thanks, Chase. I adore you. Thanks for having me so on. So happy to have you on the show. Check it out, everybody. Um, and thank you. I like. You can see all my dog ears in there. <laughs> These are all things I'm working on. If you want to know, I'll show you after the show. Thanks very much. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you so much. Okay, bye, everybody. We'll see you again, probably, hopefully, maybe, tomorrow. All right, that about wraps it up. But uh, hey, before you bounce, two quick things. Um, actually, I'm going to go three quick things. Thing one, A, thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'm not quite sure how you you landed on this podcast. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that we're all in this together and that we're able to have a conversation is awesome. I feel uh, honored to be in your ears right now and that uh, you've paid attention to what I've been doing, what Creative Live has been doing for some time. And whether it's been a day or 10 years, I just want to say thank you. It's also really important to know on the backside of that, that I, I do a lot of responding to comments. So hit me up, on, you know, direct message me on, on Instagram or Twitter or at me. 
I try and respond as much as possible. So let's have a conversation that transcends me just being in your ears here. Let's try and do it some, somewhere out there in, on the internet land. That's thing one. Thing two, again, I'm not quite sure what channels you pay attention to me and my work, but please go check out. I'm at Chase Jarvis or slash Chase Jarvis or whatever on all the platforms. And it's really important to me. Also, if you wouldn't mind checking out Creative Live, it's something that not only myself, but 120 other committed hardcore badass people come to work every day uh, to build the place where creators and entrepreneurs learn. So check that out. They're just slash creative live or at creative live all over out there on the internet. All right. Until again, uh, probably tomorrow. I hope I'll hear you. I'll be in your ears maybe tomorrow and I'll look for your comments on the internets. Bye.